it is, um, it is just a snippet. There, is, there are far, far more uh, things that have been going on. And uh, I don't know about you, but I just think it is, it's incredible. It is really incredible what God has been doing. And uh, again, like I said, in that there's, we've had a lot of new people join. So uh, it's, it's exciting that something just, God is doing something. God is drawing people. And uh, it is always weird seeing myself on the screen like, Mom, I'm on TV. And uh, so as a church, we, we have a vision. We have a, a picture that we believe that uh, God has shown us uh, when we have just been, you know, journeying over the past couple of years. It's kind of like the, the, the picture that he's shown us. And uh, we have a mission as a church that, that is to help people step into their future through the life-changing message of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we do all this stuff. We want people to find and follow Jesus. We want their lives to be transformed. We want them to encounter their purpose that is within them. Uh, we have values that help us like govern the way we do things, the way that we behave as a church. Obviously, we follow the Bible as well, which is our main source of our values. But we have some specific values that help the culture of our church. But I, I don't necessarily want us to focus on those things today. Those are the, the pictures. You can go read it on the website. Uh, but I just want to say about these things are constantly developing. God is showing us things uh, about what he wants us to do. But today on Vision Sunday... We're going to do this every single year around this time of year. And as Holly said, we're going to host a vision offering next week. And that vision offering is just an opportunity for us to respond to the vision. So that is an opportunity for us to financially respond, to respond via signing up for stuff. It's kind of like saying, God, I'm in on, on what you want to do in this place. I'm in on what you want to do in this next season of church. But I really believe that if you look across the church, uh, church history, often there's these moments where God gathers his church around like a prophetic statement or a prophetic focus. This just means it's like God inviting his church into the future that he is creating. Okay, so this, this idea of a prophetic statement, I, it's like God saying, this is what I'm doing next, and this is what it's going to take for you to be part of that. So I really believe that as a church, this next season for us, this next year, whatever, however long this is going to be, I really believe that God has spoken to us and that he's been very clear about what it is he wants from us as a church. I'm really, really excited. And we're going to, the way this is going to work is I'm going to speak on what I believe God is speaking to us as a church for a few minutes. And then we're going to listen to some worship and focus on some stuff that God wants to say. And then we're going to present some things that we believe God is asking us to step into. Sound all right? Yeah, good. Sound good? Yeah. Okay, I believe that as a church, there is a beautiful future. There is a beautiful work that God wants to do through us. Do you believe that? Yeah. Do you really, really believe that? Yeah. I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that God wants to do something beautifully significant in this church through us through us as individuals, through us as a collective. And I, I really believe that over the past couple months, as I was praying, asking God, what is it that you want next for us? Is it to start this? Is it to do this? Is it to, I go to God with all these ideas. Could you be saying this? God, could you be saying that? What about this? And then I found myself in this moment where I just, I need to drop all of, the, all of the stuff, all of the preconceived ideas, all of the way churches should run, all the models, all the structures, all the ideas, all this stuff, and just simply say, God, what is it you want from your church? Yeah. Because something that struck me is if I look back 
through the early church, like we walked through the book of Acts. It was not church growth strategies. It was not models of church. It was not models of evangelism. It wasn't all of this complex stuff that we've added to it in the West. It was simply the power of the Holy Spirit at work in people that were so transformed that carried something of a new world in them that set the world on fire. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that actually built the church. It says in the Bible, Jesus will build his church through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what we believe as a church. So I believe that what God is asking of us in this moment and for this next year is simply this, conviction. God, what is it you want to do in us? I believe that God has said to us, I want you to have conviction. I want you to have a deep conviction. This is what I believe and, that, and us as a, a leadership have just heard God's voice. I want you to be people of conviction. But God, what, do, you, do you want us to start this? Do you, I want you to be people of deep conviction. So we're going to look at this for a few minutes. Conviction can be described as a firmly held belief or opinion. A firmly held belief or opinion. It is a belief that is deep rooted within us. It is a belief that is eagerly understood and wrestled with. It is backed up. It evokes passion, dedication. A deep conviction evokes sacrifice. When we have deep conviction about something, we are dedicated to it. We wrestle with it. We are passionate about it. We question it. We, we, we kind of like look around it. It is something that really matters to us. It sits deep within us. I believe, like I said, that there is a beautifully significant work that God wants to do in every single one of us and, as, uh, and in us as a collective. But I believe that God is saying, what I want from you now is to be a people of deep conviction. So let me preface this with, I believe that the, the vision that God has called us to, he showed us this picture of a large, life-giving, Bible-based, Jesus-centered, community-facing church. One that is innovative and creative and culturally pioneering. We, we, we see a church that has a strong local impact and a far global reach. We believe that this church will be called home by thousands across the country. That is what we believe. But in the midst of all that, it can be so easy for us to be like, okay, God, then we're going to go build that for you. But that's not what God wants from his people. He's saying, this is the thing I am going to establish on the foul coast. I am going to establish this church. And what I want from you is to be a people of deep conviction. So what do I mean by conviction? Conviction in what sense? Conviction in our faith in Jesus. In, as individuals, I was speaking to you as an individual, conviction in your faith in Jesus, a deep-rooted understanding, a, a deep-rooted conviction that causes us to sacrifice and to be generous and to move us, a conviction in what it is we believe. Because this is the thing. If you look back over church history, there are so many people. I heard a statistic yesterday. It says, this is in America, I'm not sure what it's like in the UK, but 70% of 18 to 24-year-olds that would identify as a Christian before going to university no longer identify as a Christian. So there's, there's like something missing. There's this like deep-rooted understanding. It's like the culture is better at discipling us away from God than the church has been at discipling us towards God. 
this deep-rooted belief, this, this deep-rooted understanding of what it is we stand for as a community that are set apart. A deep-rooted understanding of what it means to love one another and follow Jesus together. It looks like conviction in spiritual disciplines, like prayer, being people of rhythm and people of spiritual discipline, people who understand God's word and read his word, not to tick a box in the morning, but for our sustenance so we can do what it is God has called us to do. Conviction in our spiritual disciplines, conviction in a life of holiness and in obedience and dedication to God. Conviction, a deep-rooted belief, a deep-rooted, held, firmly wrestled with thing that sits within us in our obedience to the Holy Spirit. Because I promise you this morning, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you since the day you entered this earth. And He has placed things within you, future gifts, talents, abilities, He has been speaking to you every moment of your life. We need to be people of deep conviction that we know what it is that God has called us to. I want us to look at a passage in 1 Thessalonians. This is a really interesting passage. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to like focus on verse 4 and 5. But a little bit of background to 1 Thessalonians. So, Paul was this, uh, this guy who was obviously a, he was like a Christian hunter in the sense of like not a Christian hunter, but like a Christian hunter. So he would hunt Christians. And uh, he wasn't just like a really kind, Jesus-loving man that liked to shoot animals. That's not what I mean. He was someone who went after, looking for Christians to put in prison or to kill. He had this crazy moment. He was completely turned around. And then he gets, like it's like the Holy Spirit had given him this, this burning desire to go and plant churches so that the gospel would spread. So he plants this church in, uh, in Thessalonica. And what happens is he's only there for a few weekends. So the Bible said that he was there for a short time. And theologians believe he was there for possibly up to three weekends. So three weeks. He wasn't even with them that long at all. So he plants this church. It says thousands of people were added to this church. So amazing things are happening. People are getting saved. People are turning away from things. People are finding freedom. Their lives are being transformed. This church is growing. And then what happens is persecution comes. So the Thessalonian church were under a lot of heat so that they were being hunted again by other people. And uh, what happens is Paul essentially gets run out of town. So all these people are like, okay, Paul is the guy who's bringing this gospel. We, cannot, we can no longer let him be here. So they run him out of town. And then a little while later, Paul gets a report back and he hears that the Thessalonian church is vibrant and thriving. And Paul's like, I was only there for a few weekends. I did not really expect it to last. They were under such severe pain and persecution and suffering. How did this church last? Like, what's going on here? What, what's, what's happening? And he writes this letter to them, essentially saying, yes, like you're doing it. And this is where we pick up in this passage. This is Paul writing to the Thessalonian church. And he's essentially saying, this is your story. Be encouraged. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It's only short. It says this. 
Paul writes to him and says, For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. So Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, and he's saying, you guys are doing it. And do you know why? It's because this gospel that changed your life was so much more than words. It was so much more than ideas. It was so much more than religious routine and order. It was so much more than social structure. It came with power of God to actually live it out. And it came with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. In the message version, it says this. When the message, was pre- when the message we preached to you came to you, It wasn't just words. Something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. This picture of reinforcing something. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. I don't know about you, but I know I need some steel in my convictions. I need some steel in my convictions to be able to stand up for what it is God has placed within me and what I believe God is calling us as a church to do. We need some steel in our convictions. Paul is saying, it came not with just words, but with power. And that same power is available to us today through God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and filled the church, filled it with power, enabled it to be who it was supposed to be. And then it resulted in this deep, rooted conviction. So how? Like, how do we know? How do we know this? What were were Paul's markers for saying what he said? So he writes to them a little bit later on in verse 6, and this is kind of his evidence of this deep, rooted conviction in their life. He says that they they became imitators of him and Christ. So he says, look, it came to you with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. And I know this because you became imitators of Christ. In other words, it moved beyond their head. It moved beyond just a thought, an ideology, a structure, a framework, and it moved into their behavior. They began to look more like Jesus, talk more like Jesus, love more like Jesus. Their character became more like Jesus. This deep conviction within them resulted in a change in behavior. And check this out. Then Paul says, you even did this in the midst of severe pain and suffering. They were being hunted. They had every reason not to have this conviction about Jesus. But the beautiful thing is that they lasted because of this deep rooted belief that the Holy Spirit put steel in their convictions. He said, you have endured pain and you are still going. We will all go through seasons in our life and in this church when we will be in a period of pain or suffering. And I don't know about you, but I want us to be a church that lasts. I want us to be a church that makes it through the darker times. And here's some encouragement for you. Every significant move of God in human history, its context was the darkest times. Every significant revival that ever happened in human history emerged out of the brokenness of culture. 
So you might be looking around in culture right now and being like, things are difficult. Things are dark. I don't know what to believe about this. I don't know about this. Things are so confusing. I feel like this is getting difficult to be a Christian. Well, friends, this is exactly where God begins to move is when society looks like it is just about to break us. So be encouraged. Every significant move of God emerged from the darkest of nights. And I'm just so, so excited because I believe that we have such an honor as a church to stand here. I wonder if, you, if previous generations would be jealous of the opportunity that is in front of us. Jealous of the opportunity of being, being able to witness a move of God emerge from the darkness of society. I'm honored that we get to be here at this time to watch what God is going to do. So they became imitators. Their behavior shifted. They were able to endure suffering. And then what happened? What happened? What was the result of this deep conviction that they had? Paul says in verse 7 that you became a model for other churches. You became a model for other churches. So what happened is in this, in this story, in this narrative, is that the Thessalonian church got steel in their convictions. They understood what Jesus had done. Something changed within them and their church multiplied and, and miracles were happening and, and, and Jesus was being preached and people were being transformed. And other churches began to model themselves because they wanted the power of the Holy Spirit. People began to take note, and then check this out. Verse 8, it says, In fact, your faith has become known everywhere. Your faith has become known everywhere. When the church finds its conviction, when the church grabs hold of its conviction, people take notice. For so long, we have sold out to this stream of relevance in culture. We have said if we can look like them and sound like them, but we believe different things, then maybe we will get them through the doors. That's not what we're being called to do. If only we can have, a, it looks like this, and it might, it might feel like that, but actually we know we believe this. In the Thessalonian church, this deep-rooted conviction, the world could no, no longer ignore it. In your life right now, you have to believe that the position you are in, the workplace you are in, the family you are in, the circumstance you are in, has been set up by God for you to do something in it. And I promise you, if you sell out to the culture, if you sell out your convictions, the world will continue to ignore the life-transforming message and person of Jesus. But if we as a church, if you as an individual grab hold of this deep steel conviction, your families can no longer ignore it. Your workplaces will no longer ignore it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be the silver bullet that's going to solve everything. Like your entire family is going to come to meet Jesus just because of it. But I promise you they will no longer ignore your faith. And you can point them back to the person and the work of Jesus, simply because he's transformed your life. Yeah. Not because you dress a certain way, sound a certain way, look a certain way, but because you have the life-transforming person and power of Jesus. Where there is deep conviction, there can be no apathy. 
Where there's deep conviction, we cannot be apathetic anymore. Where there's deep conviction, revival and awakening begins to happen. In the church and in the culture. The church isn't supposed to be separate from the culture. We're supposed to be pioneering the culture. It's not supposed to be sitting there pointing out like culture is bad. Or maybe like, oh, we'll try and do like the cheap Christian copy of culture. It sounds like that band, but it's not. It's actually this band and it's no good. That's not what we're supposed to do. The church is supposed to be the front runner of culture. If you look across history at one point, this is off, off topic, but I find it interesting. If you look in big technological advances in history, there was the pipe organ, the clock, and the windmill. Right? These were big steps forward. Two of those could be found in a church. The church at one point was the epicenter of, the, of pioneering culture. Education started in the church. Healthcare started in the church. What happened? We have such an opportunity. If we hold to our convictions, we can begin to pioneer culture. We don't need to run away from it. God is not calling us to be a holy huddle in this room, but we come here to be purified and cleansed and refocused and then sent back out into whatever circle of influence that you have. Where there is deep conviction, revival and awakening begins to bubble over. Where there is deep conviction, God begins to multiply and spread what is happening. And where there is deep conviction, society will no longer ignore. I don't know about you, but I'm excited that God is asking us to be people of conviction. Yeah. I'm invite the team up and they're going to they're gonna do a piece for us to help us contemplate and reflect. And... Uh, I'm going to encourage you to sit and just listen to the words. And, and this song is, is essentially a prayer. And it is a prayer saying, God, would you lead us back to you? Because this is the thing, church. It was never about what we did for God. It was never about what we do as a church. It was always about who we follow. It was always about the person and the work of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the power that builds the church. Jesus is the one who establishes the work. We are the workers. We are the servants in his church. And this, this song is a prayer saying, lead us back to the thing that first mattered. Lead us back to that place of deep conviction. Lead us back to that place where we knew what it is we stood for. We knew why it is we were here and we knew what it is God wanted to do. We knew his character and his voice. We became intimate with God again. So maybe you're sat in the seat and that is exactly what you need at this moment. A deep rooted conviction of the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know about you, I'm right there. God, I need that. I need that conviction. Because I promise you, you might think relevance in your job might look like, I can be a Christian and I wanna, I'm going to get into that place of influence and then I, I, I'm going I'm to change everything. So it has to be more than just us just existing in, in this place and hoping that, God, will you use me in this moment? It's God, will you show me this deep, rooted confidence and understanding of who you are so I can be who it is in whatever place you've called me to be in be that hospitals schools families homes businesses places of prominence and significance or places of interpersonal significance 
whatever it is, I don't know. But God, lead us back to the thing that first mattered.